Same ground, different sound. You're on homo ground. This is Maya McDonald coming to you from Brooklyn, New York for Homoground. We are continuing our four-part interview with Wynn Greenwood of Tracy and the Plastics along with Gina Young. This was recorded way back in May of 2021, right before Cruisin' Records reissued digitally the full Tracy and the Plastics catalog. So do check that out if you missed any of those records the first time or if you loved them then and have been looking for them. They're out. Wynn just wrapped up a Kickstarter for new music. Gina's got lots going on in LA. Visit them all on Instagram at Gina Genius, at Wynn Greenwood, at Cruising Records. Uh, let's get into it. Here's part two of our interview with the two of those fine people from uh, the spring of 2021. Gina, I was curious when you were invited to have your work put into the Mazer archives, what that, what feeling that elicited from you? It started very small before it got really big, <laughs> which was just that uh, Casey Winkleman from The Mazer saw the workshop production of Straight Play when we were working on it. And she came up afterwards and was just like, oh, we would love to take the script, any of your notes, like the program, anything you want. It would be so great to have that in the archives. And I was like, okay, well, how about uh, I just Marie condoed my entire apartment and I give you everything. Like, I'll just give you everything, you know? <laughs> so it kind of 
spiraled out of control as things do. And then it was this really cool thing because due to the pandemic, they were like, well, we're starting to have a digital archive. And I was like, oh, that's perfect because most of the stuff I have, I don't want to give away. Like I'm not dead. I'm not ready to like give away all of these things. Um, so I scanned them instead. And so I think that I am their first like digital or not first, but like I'm kind of their first sizable digital donation. They have over 500 um, pieces and the the kind of like thematically the way that I was talking about it when we did the event, we called it Riot Girls Little Siblings, which was partly because of the album of demos that I released. But it was also partly because that was the time period that I identified with. And I think when talked about this a little bit, too, of like identifying with this like um like Riot Girl, the original bands, I looked up to them. I was like younger, just a little. Like I was just a little bit younger. They were all out there touring and I was in high school being like, oh man, they're so cool. Like, you know, I just like, I was in Catholic school doing my best to be queer. I was not on a stage like calling people out and being like really vocal and living my truth, you know, like I was in Catholic school trying to survive basically. Um, so I don't know. I guess I was just thinking of that idea of like what it is to be close in age, but not quite of something, but kind of to be the next generation of something, not even the next generation to be like the tail end of something. Right. Cause the first riot girl, um, zines and bands and stuff was all around like 1991, 1992. I got into riot girl, like actual chapters and going to shows and all that stuff around like 95, 96. Um, I'm making the story way too long, but the point being that I always felt a little bit like a little sibling who was kind of like, oh, like I also play in bands. I also make zines. I'm also going to chapters. We're also doing activism. Um, but the media declared it dead, right? Like the media was like, Riot Girl's over. We've moved on. Spice Girls are where it's at. Like now it's time for pop and Britney Spears. We're super into Britney Spears. Um, and the Mazer event to me really became an opportunity to be like, hey, all this stuff was still going on. And the mainstream media wasn't writing about it. Nobody particularly seemed to care about it. I think that it has to do with who, you know, the gatekeepers, the cultural gatekeepers who decide what's important, decided that this movement was a blip and was over. Um, but the impact was actually a lot longer lasting and it still lasts today. And there's still tons of people listening to these bands on Spotify and making videos about it on TikTok. And like, I mean, tons of queer core and TikTok, sorry, queer core and Riot Girl stuff on TikTok, like, whoa. Um, and so I guess the kind of unifying theme of the stuff that I gave to the Mazer was like, oh, here's what was happening right after that era that the media kind of called the riot girl era, you know, like most of the stuff I gave them is from the late nineties through the mid aughts. Um, some of the stuff I gave them is from my newer plays, like these past few years in LA. Um, but the idea is just like stuff was still happening. We have so many amazing photos. I mean, the zines were really powerful. They were also a lot more diverse. Like I think the the media critique was always like, oh, Riot Girl is a bunch of middle-class straight white girls, you know, with bad haircuts who are whining about whatever, whatever. Um, and that personally wasn't my experience. Like a lot of the bands that I liked were queer and did have women of color in them and did have like, I don't know, like a more intersectional perspective, which is what like, I think the newest wave of feminism that has been really like 
popping off, if you will, digitally has been very intersectional. Um, and I think that it's really important to archive that stuff. Long answer, but that's what it is. I love looking through, I mean, I went to the, I went to the little siblings, um, Riot Girls little sibling um, event and it was awesome. It was so inspiring to see um, this like, the kind of continuation of inspiration, like that, like, because from what I understand, you asked people to create something new, right? There, I mean, there were like a couple different things happening. One person did a cover of a song, but like other people wrote new material. Yeah, like I invited a few performers. I have a theater company, Sorority, that does these like salon kind of variety show style performances. And I invited some performers that I know have a connection to Riot Girl to talk, to, to do a piece, any kind of piece on how it influenced them or influenced by it. Yeah. It was so cool. I don't know. I just love the... I'm just thinking about like a couple things. One is looking at like the, the kind of specificity of archive, like this is your archive and like what that actually, how that can be like a portal into so many thing, things bigger than just like your specific life, but also what the specificity of like you as an individual um and you, like a collection of you from you, how that anchors like a kind of inquiry or like a, you know, um, learning process or exploration process. I'm finding that more and more accessible of like, okay, I'm going to look at this thing, look at this really big thing through this like very specific moment or um lens there's something about that like the kind of looking that that can um enable that I think is is feels I don't know if it's like a counterpoint to social media but it's it feels I don't know it feels really good right now um and then also just like I love that like continued yeah, just those, like, the relationality of of that. Like, Riot Girl for me was, um, I wasn't part of original Riot Girl. I was did not consider myself a Riot Girl, but I loved those bands, and that definitely was, like, a part of my, um, yeah, what got me into playing music or being in bands. And But there was something so about, like, being in relationship that was, it was not, like, a call to isolation, you know, for me, Riot Girl was like a call towards relationality. I like what you just said about, or a minute back about inspiration and how that ties to lineage, you know, that it's sort of like, here's who inspired me and here's who inspired them. And then also it was sort of a, Riot Girl was a very lateral inspiration because it wasn't like, oh, these are majorly famous people inspiring like people who are like all just starting out. It was like a lot of, um, people starting out all over the country, none of whom were like majorly famous or majorly proficient musicians, all inspiring each other because of their mentality and their, you know, common, I don't know, worldview, I guess. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it makes me think about like, I'm still just like, still make art for my friends. Like, I'm just like, oh. that's, you know, like, that's who, that's the audience. I don't know. That's, I'm, that is so cool. I did not ever... <clears throat> hadn't ever thought about that's maybe where that comes from. Right. Wasn't that the whole, I don't know if it was Kathleen Hanna or somebody who was like, 
your best girlfriend, like idolize your girlfriend, idolize your best friend, or I'm bastardizing the quote, but you all know what I'm saying. It was like, idolize your best friend, basically, and like make bands with your friends and yeah. Join us in celebrating 25 years of Adam Mail. Since 1998, Adam Mail has been a leader in providing you with the best in gay sex toys and products to take your sexual explorations to the next level. Visit homoground.com slash adammail and use code GROUND for 50% off one item plus free shipping on orders over $20 in the US and Canada. That's homoground.com slash adammail, code GROUND, G-R-O-U-N-D. Some items may not be eligible for full discount. Yo, this is your boy Carl X coming at you hot with another fire lo-fi track. Even though the music has always flowed so naturally to me, for years I've struggled with staying motivated and frankly, self-management has been really difficult for me to learn. I always hear from successful content creators that the most important element of our work is to stay consistent. And geez, that's like my biggest struggle. I spent loads of energy reading self-help books and trying to learn self-management techniques. And even though I knew I just had to sit down and do it, it was so freaking hard. I found myself agonizing over my inability to focus and it would make me procrastinate over and over again. Quarantine has been really difficult to adjust to for those with short attention spans, yo. Luckily, I found focus time. Focus time is a co-working space hosted by queers and for queers. I don't know if it's because it's gay or because it actually made me productive, but I cannot get enough of these sessions. From my first session, I knew that something had clicked in my work routine. Day one of focus time, I wrote and dropped this beat. Day two of focus time, I started editing my first YouTube vlog. And by my third session, I was immediately focused and ready to work the moment I sat down at my desk. I'm overwhelmed by the success I've seen from just one week of using this platform. So the moderators are gonna have to get used to my gay ass. There are two hour sessions every weekday. The two hours are broken down into one hour sprints and a 15 minute break time. It's so uplifting. I've met ambitious queers from all over the United States in this break room. If you wanna join the next session, you can navigate to homoground.com slash focus time. There, you'll be able to donate and sign up for your first session. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Homo Ground episode. My baby's gone. Where did she go? She left but didn't tell me so. My baby's gone. Where can she be? She's gone, but she's right next to me.
ask her She says it's nothing serious Says it's nothing serious Says nothing serious Ask her She says it's nothing serious Says it's nothing serious She says When I was small I'd hum a tune Just like this one I sing to you But you won't break Or crack a smile I say come to bed You say In a while, in a while, in a while, in a while, I ask you, you say it doesn't matter, you say that nothing matters, you say that nothing matters, I ask you, you say that nothing matters, you say that nothing matters, you say, my baby's gone, can't let She's gone but didn't tell me so My baby's gone I was the last to know My baby's gone and I don't know where to go Hey, Wynn, what are you working on mostly these days? I'm working very slowly on new songs. I have a new song that is ready to come. It's like, I'm ready. Um, And so it's going to, I think I'll probably put that out in some way, shape or form um, this summer. Actually, Coley Mixon plays guitar on this song. I think Coley was interviewed on Homo Ground. They are an amazing musician, and um, and so yeah, so it's very slowly working on a new record, um, and I was working on a video. My projects have really slowed down. Like it's been that as a yeah. What what do I want to say? Um, I'm working on a new record and new video 
And I've also been teaching, um, figuring out how to, how to, um, how to teach in a different way. I feel like that's been one of my projects this year. I left a um, full-time teaching job in a university um, before the pandemic. And um, I've been figuring out this year, kind of experimenting in, in how to, how, how I want to teach and who, like what that can look like and what that can be. Um, so yeah, those are some of the things. And I took one of Wynn's classes and it was cool and it was vulnerable and I highly encourage everyone to do it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah. How can people sign up for that? Basically the best way is to go to my Instagram um, and wait for me to post something or you can direct message me. Ooh, invitation for a DM. That is a bold move. I'll be doing some workshops again, probably maybe in late summer um, or early fall. Um, but primarily they're like workshops about video performance. And I'm going to be doing, um, you know, there's a lot of other artists who need to make, who need to use video now. And so I, I want to help them figure out like how that can work for them. Um, but then I'm also going to be doing just like an artist project process group, I think, um, where we get to work on like projects that people are developing. Um, Did you want to, uh, touch on your relationship with Cruise and Records at all and, uh, how that sort of came to be? Prison Records is amazing. I Clyde is a good friend, and actually Clyde was in our our art group that we had. Yes, love Clyde. Yeah, Clyde. that we started in two thousand and nine. And so I, you know, and I love the bands on Cruisin' Records are just amazing. It just feels like a dreamy dream, and um, I was like, hey, it's time for it's time to reissue these records. And I asked Clyde if they'd be interested at all, and um, and they were. So it just, yeah, I it feels like a dream come true. And yeah. there's t-shirts. You should plug the t-shirts. Yes, thanks everyone. I keep yeah. Um, okay, these t-shirts are an updated design. So that part of the design was from like 2002. And then I updated it. What do you, I, no, this isn't going to be interesting. Don't. Here, do I, I got it covered. So Wynne made amazing t-shirts for her album release and sweatshirts. And they're white with purple. And you can find them on the Cruisin' Records website. Is that good? Yes. Um, I also had my little sister design t-shirts for my record. And you can find those on my website. I mean. Also the, sor- the sorority. Oh, yeah. The sorority sweatshirts are pretty pretty rad i have to say the sorority logo was designed by janelle campbell and those sweatshirts are pretty pretty big sellers um and then yeah and then also like i mean tote bags and t-shirts designed by my little sister with art that she made herself and uh a quote from the album which is just fun this was really a delight thank you both for being in conversation
Thanks for listening to Homo Ground. This episode opened with the song This Is Dog City by Tracing the Plastics. The second song you heard just after the break was My Baby's Gone by Gina Young. You can find links to more information on the artists and how to purchase their music on the episode page at homoground.com episode 272. If you like what you heard, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever podcast streaming app you're using or share this episode with a friend and tag us on social media at homoground. As an independent podcast, we also rely on our Patreon supporters. You can join us at homoground.com slash Patreon. Not only do you become a member of our Patreon, but you become a member of the Homoground community. Homoground members get all the latest updates on episodes before they're released and a behind-the-scenes look at how the podcast is made. You also get access to our private Slack and Discord groups, where you can meet other Homoground listeners from around the world. Homoground members also get access to our 24-hour virtual cafe, where you can pop in anytime. Not only that, but you get free access to our guided virtual co-working sessions. When you become a Homoground member, you'll get an official Homoground membership card, plus our special green and white Homoground logo stickers that only our Patreon supporters get. Plus, we'll just send you a bunch of other stickers that we have. We've got a bunch of random designs, and you can stick them wherever you want. Just be sure to tag us on social media at Homoground. This episode was produced by Maya McDonald, who also conducted the interview. You can follow Maya on Instagram at Kid in the Attic. Homo Ground is created and executive produced by me, Lynn Casper. You can follow me at lynncasper.com. <laughs>